Amen. Awesome. So I want to ask you again to close your eyes. And I just wanted to know, what is the typical thing you think most people want to get out of life? Is it maybe money, possessions, some kind of importance or make a huge name for themselves, maybe have a library named after them? <laughs> maybe the best Instagram or social media thing just to be so important. And it's quite scary because I think we sometimes, we're busy creating this generation of narcissists and it's going to be a very scary world a few years from now. Okay, you can all open your eyes. <laughs> but um, now I want you to just think about, if you think of a word, humility, what do you think about them? Is it maybe like someone bowing before someone, like in Japan somewhere? Sorry, Nako, but... First image that came to mind. <laughs> or is it maybe a mom that um, is busy blowing her kid's nose? Or is it the owner of a company busy scrubbing his own toilets, you know? Or is it maybe someone who allows someone in front of them in queue? Is that what you think of if you think of humility? I think movies have so impacted the way we look at humility. And there's even this term, humble brag, nowadays, where People pretend to be humble in order to brag about how humble they are. So if we look at the typical definition of humility, we see the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. And in contrast to that would be pride, arrogance, being pompous. And all these things, I think, paints in our minds that humility is weak. Whereas, actually, it's such a strength. Often we look at all the virtues, but it's difficult to look at the virtue of humility. It's something you can't easily see, but actually, that's a way to all the others, like joy, love, peace, towards God and towards people. So, what is real humility? Um, my cousin and I live together in Pretoria. Yes, I come from there. And we shared a flat, and I remember one day he was calling all these um, stuff he saw in me. He, he was in our church last year, so that's the type of person he is. So he would say, hey, I like this about you, this about you, this about you. And then he said, but at least I am humble. <laughs> and I remember thinking of what he said, and I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. It's almost like you lose it as soon as you say it. But now I want to read you this verse, if you can put up Numbers 12, verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the surface of the earth. Do you, any of you know who wrote this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Moses wrote this, and almost like my cousin saying, I'm humble. I almost go like, whoa, Moses, what's happening here? But you know what's also true about this is? It's inspired by God himself. The Holy Spirit said, Moses, you are humble. I want you to write, Moses is humble, <laughs> the most humble person. <laughs> so it's actually, he's actually having a very healthy view of himself. And the world jades our understanding of humility. Because humility is not thinking too high or too low of yourself, but to have an exact correct thought of who you are. More important, maybe, is to know who you are in Christ. 
or even more important than that, to know who Christ is and then start to imitate Him. So listen to who God says you are, not anybody else's opinion, not even your own opinion. Listen to who you are. Hold on to who you are in Christ, not to what your flesh tells you you are. Embrace that. Embrace the truth. And I believe that the more free we become of our own ego, the more easy it will be to un unreservedly just elevate others around us. I want to read two Proverbs. I didn't give it to you on purpose. So Proverbs, eh? Wisdom, right there. So let's read those. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before distraction, the heart of man is proud. You don't want that. But before honor is humility. So we see something of you need to be humble before you get honored. Another one, Proverbs 22.4. The result of humility and the fear of the Lord is wealth, honor, and life. So in the beginning I said, what do you think most people want out of life? And I think often we strive for those things. We grab for honor and wealth and life. But actually we need to humble ourselves and fear God. So we're in a, in a series of radical Christianity, and to be radical is to have a new or a different view of something usual. So I'm going to get into a poem, but before we get into this poem, the writer of this poem actually said, you know what, you call yourself Christians, but live this life worthy of being called a Christian. So he's going to throw a very wide net out here. He says in Philippians 2, don't put it up yet. <laughs> he says like, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any portation in the Spirit, affection, so he's casting that net wide. He wants to include all of us, this Paul guy. He's like, hey, you're all in this net. You all have sensed something of God. You've all have seen something of us. If you see this, then have the same mind. I am the same love, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, that's where you start, count others more significant than yourselves. It's so beautiful. It's like if you've seen anything in God, have this mindset. Be humble, count others higher. And I think of that verse where Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So how? I mean, if I just look at myself, it's not easy to humble yourself. So we're going to look into the sperm, and it's a very vivid description of both the heart and the mind of Jesus. So if you can pull up uh, Philippians 2 verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have his mind. And I think of where the Bible would sometimes say, put this thing on, or put that thing on, or put on the full armor of God. It's like we have to put on this mindset. It's something we have to decide to do. It's our action. And it says that it's ours. It's yours in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you already have his mindset. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. You, don't, you just have to action it. You just have to go, whoop, I put on the mindset. Okay, it's not that easy though, but that's what we call to. Verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God 
a thing to be grasped. Who of you know the form of God? That's pretty much how high you get, eh? That's like all-powerful, almighty. You don't get any more than that. And that's who Jesus knew he was. But still he was humble. That, that just, it's so weird to me. Like, he's like everything. Everything we all, we all strive to be great. And he's already great, but yet he's humble. And then the next part that says there, he didn't grasp. And from the beginning, we see people grasping to this thing of being like God. It's not a new thing. We see Adam and Eve where the snake came. That's a cool fruit to chow. And immediately, Eve is like, ah, that looks good. <laughs> Everyone from, thank you, Keith. From the beginning, we, we've been grasping. Nowadays, it might be climbing the corporate ladder. You don't care who you step on. You want to get on top. Or maybe like the social media selfie thing where we just want to be better than everybody else. Or ministry. And you know what? If there's one guy who could have felt like I can grasp to be like God, it was Jesus. He could have done it, but he did not. Verse 7. But emptied himself. That's huge. Emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So, earlier the week, I was reading to the kids about God, and we were talking about God, and next minute, <laughs> Levi was holding his head like this. I haven't even told my wife. He was laying on bed, and it seemed like he was in pain. And I was like, are you okay, Levi? What's going on? He's like, I don't get it. How could God have always been there? And this hurt him, but, but if I read this, it breaks my brain like it broke Levi's brain. Like, he emptied himself. I mean, he was in heaven. He knew he was God, and he emptied himself. It breaks my brain. So he was a king, and he decided to become a man. After emptying himself of all of those privileges, became a man. And then more than that, not just any man, it says a servant. So not just, he's a king in heaven, and uh, I'll be a king in Rome. Boop, boop, serve me, people. No. That's not what he did. So why do we so often think so highly of ourselves? We always want people to serve us. I just wonder why is that? What, what is it about us that we want this thing? But yet God, who had all reason to want people to serve him, he let it all go. And that breaks my mind, and it should break our minds as well, to go, whoa, what's going on here? Verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So not on, only did he become a man, not only did he become a servant, he became obedient. And not just obedient in, hey Jesus, will you quickly clean the toilet? Sure, mommy. No, death. He was obedient to death. And not any death. Not just so Jesus went to sleep. He never woke up. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. You died for me in, my, in your sleep. No. <laughs> it was a painful death. It was a suffering thing. It was a humiliating thing. And I think the worst for me, if I was in that situation, Jesus said he could have called on a legion of angels to come and help him. 
He chose not to. He chose to be obedient unto death. So if you struggle to be obedient, I just want to ask you, sure, like, are you going to lose heaven? <laughs> Do you have to become something lesser than you are? Do you have to become someone's servant? Do you have to die? Do you have to die on a cross? I mean, Jesus did all of those stuff, and I'm sure most of us are not called to any of that. So why do we struggle to be obedient? And I think it has to do with humility. Like we don't allow ourselves, we don't humble ourselves to that point. So why is it so difficult? I like how it starts where it says, you have to put on this mind. So it's something we already have, but because we don't put on this mindset, it's difficult for us to be humble and to be obedient. So Andrew Murray wrote this thing, and it's beautiful. He, he wrote this about Jesus, and he says, His humility is our salvation. His salvation is our humility. Isn't that beautiful? Because he was humble, he saved us. Because he saved us, we can be humble. And I just quickly want to read through the rest of it because it's so beautiful. It says, we must learn of Jesus, how he is meek and lowly of heart. He teaches us where true humility takes its rise and finds its strength. So true humility takes, gets strength. In the knowledge that it is God who works all in all, that our place is to yield to him in perfect resignation, our dependence, in full, in full con consent to be and to do nothing of ourselves. This is the life Christ came to reveal and to impart, a life to God that came through death to sin and self. That's quite a mouthful, but it's beautiful. I just think we, we're so dependent on ourselves and we think we should climb the ladder, we should take the perfect image and then everybody's going to follow us and love us. That's not what we call to. We call to lay it all down. We call to die to ourselves. We call to humble ourselves and go, God, you work all things in all things. Here am I. Use my life as well. Verse 9 to 11. Therefore, because of all these things he's done, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. We sang that song this morning, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. But see, we start here. <laughs> we start at that place where we want to be lifted up. We want to be God-like. We want to be seen. But what we call to is to humble ourselves. Jesus says, just humble yourself. Jesus humbled himself. The Father raised him up. So Jesus tells a story where in those days, if you were called over for a dinner, it's not like now everybody just sits at the table. There were places of honor. So Jesus say, if someone invites you, don't go and sit at the most important place. Rather sit at a lesser place. <laughs> so the guy who actually organized all of it will tell you, hey, come and sit higher with me. 
and that's a concept we get here. You, you must bow down. We sang that song, I bow down. Wow. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Something like that. And let God lift you up at the right time. You just humble yourself and just know that your reward is in heaven for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So looking at this poem, so all of this is written in poem form, and I think it's a beautiful poem. And we see how this thing flows out into people's lives, how they saw this example of Jesus, and they left it out. Timothy, he was so into the welfare of others. He could have started his own YouTube, YouTube sensation or like his own ministry. And hey, if God calls you to YouTube or a ministry, walk it through with others. But he didn't do that. He listened, he humbled himself, and he was there for others. Or Epaphroditus. How's that for a name for your kids, eh? <laughs> he, he ministered to Paul in such a way that he almost died. He almost died in ministering. He didn't start a fund me account. He didn't use all of that money for himself or for his own ideas. He humbled himself and obeyed. And we see how this, to me it seems like as you humble yourself, obedience is something that flows out of that place. We often just try and obey. Rather try and just humble yourself, humble your heart, bow before God, and allow Him to start doing things in you. How many of you in school got all those badges? No, my wife says no. She got social badges. <laughs> So I remember like all the kids having all those badges. I, I was too, how can you say, maybe too scared to put them on. I also had a few, but I never wore them. But I remember some of those kids, they had those everywhere. It's just badges, eh? Now, if we look at Paul, he would have had badges everywhere. He was a Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Pharisee. He was without fault. He even persecuted the early church because he believed that's what God wanted of him. So he had all those badges, and what does he say? He says, I count it all as dung in order to know Jesus. That's him humiliating himself. He's going, I'm humbling myself. Yes, I thought this was important. Now it stinks. <laughs> I'm following Jesus. And he's using this, this beautiful poem to just vividly paint to us who Jesus is. He's showing us so that we can learn from Jesus, so that we can follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, He's with us. And He gives us hope, and He gives us more humility to endure. Now, I want to ask some of the brothers and sisters, not Christian brothers and sisters, but like actual brothers and sisters in the blood, you know. <laughs> Who of you maybe don't have a best relationship with a brother or a sister? Maybe as a kid you fought. You never worked that thing out. You might have forg forgiven them, but you're still not BFFs. Are there anybody like you? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Some honest hands. Thank you, people. <laughs> now, I want to read you someone who was not a BFF with his brother. In James 1 verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know who wrote this? One of Jesus' brothers. And we know that he wasn't always like, oh, Jesus, I'm your servant. No, they thought Jesus was insane. Often they even thought, like, we can't believe this guy. We can't follow him. We can't do what he's saying. 
So just imagine what a huge thing must have happened for Jay. Well, I think his actual name is Jacob. Anyways, let's not go into that. So James, for him, what must have happened for him to come to the point where he called himself, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ? That's huge. I think that takes a lot of humility. Especially, I mean, we've seen Jesus in every circumstance. And to from that place goes, no, now I'm your servant. So let me tell you a very unfair story I just made up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fiction story of an unfairly treated seed. So this poor seed was in a bag of other seeds, didn't see any sunlight. Then one day this farmer's hand comes in, grabs a few seeds, and finally the seed smells fresh air. It sees sunlight, it flies through the air, lands hard on the ground, next minute stomps on it, and back into the ground. I mean, that's unfair. Let's call Greenpeace, you know? Let's go save a seed, save a seed. But that's what that seed was called for. Jesus said, if a seed doesn't die, it can't bear fruit. And the same way with our lives, we are called to die to so many things so that we can bear much fruit. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw this. I'm like, wow, that's cool. So um, James says the following. Think of a seed falling in the ground, going, ah, I don't want to die. Think of that seed. James 1, the same brother who thought, uh-uh, Jesus, I can't follow you. That same brother says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trails of many kind for that testing of your faith will bring perseverance, that will bring maturity, that you'll be lacking nothing. See, many times when we fall in that ground and we're in there, we feel like, ah, I feel like I'm going to die. Let me just sin. Then I have a quick, nice thing for my flesh. Or maybe you try and self-medicate or self-soothe or just do something that you don't feel like you're dying. Or maybe you're starting to go, God, you made this happen. It's your fault, God. But James also says, hey, when this thing happens, don't say that you've been tempted by God. You only feel like this, and you only go through these things because of your own evil desires that is trying to draw you to these sinful things. So how do we overcome that? By dying to ourselves. By humbling ourselves to this thing. God, like James even writes there that if you're there, if you lack any wisdom, ask it from God. If you need wisdom, ask it from God. And blessed are those who persevere to the end, because they won't just get the mind of Christ, they'll also get the crown of life. Who wants a crown? Any crown takers? Yes, key. Yes. <laughs> so hearing this poem, it can be easy for us to just hear it and go, that was beautiful. Or, wow, Martinez cracked a few jokes. Or, you know, it's so easy to just listen. But James wrote, don't just be hearers, but be doers of a word. He also writes, it's easy for a man to look into a mirror, see his face, and then just walk away and forget what he saw. But today I want to see, we looked into this mirror to see Jesus' face. We looked into this mirror to see this vivid, beautiful heart and mind of Jesus. Don't just walk away. Don't just walk away from that mirror. Become a doer. So, 
How many of you know Andrew Selly? There's a few, yes. So um, many of you know him as the guy who's now got 45 different congregations of Just Gen. He's got churches all over the world partnering through 412. But I remember being there when he was one of us sitting on the ground, not even knowing that he's leading the church at a bring and share. And the one day I remember we were like 70 people in church back then. And uh, he came to the front. I think it was my second week in church. And he said, I just want to tell you guys, I'm really sorry. I treated my wife badly in the car on the way here. And I just want to say sorry. And it wrecked my brain. Like, I don't, we didn't see that. None of us saw that. None of us even needed to understand that because we didn't know. But he was humble. He humbled himself. And he was open and honest. And because of that, I knew I can follow this guy. And I'm sure because of that, it flows through so many of the leaders in this church. And that's why all of us feel like we can follow this thing. Because people are open and honest. They humble themselves. So earlier this week, Kala, when he was still here before they went to Russia, he uh, said if he thinks in his life, how many sermons actually impacted him? Sermons are very important, don't get me wrong. We need to bring the Word of God. But if he tries to pinpoint those sermons, versus if he tries to pinpoint lives of people who influenced him, we're all called to influence people. We're all called to die to self so that we can show Jesus' example. We, all of us are called to do that. Not just someone standing here on a Sunday preaching. All of us through our day to day. The Washington Post had an article where they said some of the strongest leaders are actually those who are humble, who actually share and delegate their authority. So Colossians 3.12 says, Put on therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, humility, and perseverance. Put on, clothe yourselves. And that word to put on in Greek is to sink into a garment. That's quite beautiful, eh? To sink into a garment. It sounds like a princess getting a dress. I don't know. Maybe my wife. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not like, it's not something you have to strive for. You sink into this thing. And we already read that that mindset, we already have it in Christ. We just need to sink into it. We need to humble ourselves and let this thing drape over us, I guess. I don't know. To sink into this clothing. 1 Peter 5 talks about how we should treat the sheep and all of that. And then it also says, clothe yourself with humility. We see this a lot. Clothe yourself, clothe yourself, clothe yourself. So it's an action you have to take. You might not feel humble. Clothe yourself. To subject yourselves to one another. For God resists the proud. We saw that in Proverbs as well. But gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your worries on him because he cares for you. So even in the time of dying, cast all those worries on him. Don't feel like, oh, I can't tell God it's tough. He gets it. If it's tough, cast your worries on him. And in due time, he will lift you up. Let's all close our eyes.
So maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've heard of this king who was in heaven, emptied himself, became a servant, became so obedient that he died on a cross. And only from that place, if you make that your own, can you also get that mindset. So often in life, we try and be like that. We try and humble ourselves. We try and be good people. We can't outside of Jesus. Only in Him can we be found. Only in Him can we get that mindset. Only in Him can we find salvation. He often said that there's so many stuff we try and do, we try and do, we try and be good people. None of us are good. Only when Jesus dies for you on that cross, only when you go, God, I want that. God, that gift you gave, I want that. Only then can you really become born again. Only then can you really humble yourself in Him. Is there anyone like that here this morning who we can pray with? If you can put your hand up, I would love to pray with you. Thank you so much. Maybe if one of the leaders can just go there. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else who would just love to get to know Jesus? He died for us. He humbled himself. The creator of the universe died for us so that we can know him. That's huge. There's another lady. If someone can just go talk to her, please. Can one of the leaders please go and talk to her? Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? This is huge. I remember as a 21-year-old guy thinking I knew everything, thinking I was a Christian even, almost dying, seeing glimpses of hell, I might say. And from that place only I got to, yeah, I actually got born again. There's another guy who's putting up his hand. If someone can just go and talk to him, please. It's a, it's a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege to come to Jesus. It's huge. And don't, don't hold yourself back because you think, I've been in church for, forever. Don't let that hold you back. Come to Jesus because he died for you. He, he paid the ultimate price to get you to heaven. Then maybe for the rest of us, I want to ask you, are you ready to answer this call of Jesus? This call of utter dependence on Him. A place where you give up everything so that your hands can be open, so that He can truly be everything. Let's all maybe stand up. Let's, let's pray. Um, I actually just felt when Martinez was sharing that there might be someone here who is um, struggling with relationships and forgiveness. And he was speaking about humility. And I just thought to share something very personal that happened in my own life that might help you. Um, I felt a few years ago that I was unfairly treated in a specific relationship. And I remember we were at the 412 conference, and I felt like I really tried to at least outwardly honor this person as best as I could. And then at the end of the meeting, um, I really sensed like the Holy Spirit was just, you know, when God is just speaking to you, it felt like God's presence was on me. And I felt he say to me, you have to go and apologize. And I was like, God, like, I didn't do anything wrong. This was the other person. Like, I, I really, I backed this person, all of it. But I felt like, 
I, I really sense like the Holy Spirit said, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to withdraw my presence from you. And I stood there and I was like, I knew in that moment that I had to humble myself. It was the most difficult thing that I had to do because especially when you feel like, you know, you kept your sight clean. Um, but I think God wanted to deal with a hard thing. So externally, yes, I backed him and I honored him. But internally, I didn't do it. And I called him and his wife, you know, along, you know I, I called them to the side and I said to them, I actually just really felt like I wanted to apologize for, for this thing that actually didn't honor you in my heart. And in that moment, it was like God's presence just came back. It felt like he left me. And I, I just wanted to encourage you. Maybe you are here this morning and you almost feel like these relationships that are struggling and yeah, but I didn't do anything wrong, um, but I really feel like there's reconciliation and there's restoration that God has for you in the humbling of, of yourself in actually doing that and be, being obedient to the voice of the Lord. Um, yeah, hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. And if you struggle even after this, just ask someone next to you to pray with you. Yeah, let's, let's mean business with God. We're not here to to waste an hour of our lives or three hours in just Jen. We're not, that's not why we're here. We're here to change. We're here to be more like Him, to follow Him, to follow His image we saw in that mirror. Now, Father, I just want to this morning say thank you, God, that you're not a God who just wrote down on a golden tablet, this is humility, and you dropped it from the sky. But God, you came to us. You came from the sky. You came from heaven, God. You let go of everything to show us humility, to be humility amongst us. God, and where we struggle, we, we like that seed and we want to we wanna fight for our rights and we want to hold on to and we want to grasp towards being God. God, help us to die in you. God, help us to become humble. Help us to make ourselves obedient to your calling, God. Help us with that, Father, so that Jesus can be made huge amongst us. Amen.